Welcome back, kids and coaches, to another episode of West of Nowhere. I am Levi, and I am once again alone, um, but not because of uh, anything of Shane's fault. It's just um, the way things shook out schedule-wise. I think I mentioned this before last episode, but you know, with um, me traveling for a uh, trip for school, and him only being able to record on one day pretty much left me with just being able to do the episode uh last the last week's episode two weeks before and then schedule the release late um and then doing this one a little bit late and counting for this week so that's kind of what's going on if it's a little confusing i apologize but that's that's just the best uh method uh that i was able to think of because this is a current events slash news-ish kind of thing where we talk about that kind of stuff so it's hard to go well yeah we'll just take an episode and we'll post it and um we'll we'll, uh, bank that one for a later date or whatever because you can't really do that with news stories um but you know it is what it is so that's where we're at um but I'm glad glad you're here. Glad to have you with me. Um, before I get too far along, the Patreon people got Tony Burgess, Sam Norton, Adam Pacino, Mark, uh, Daddy Warbucks, Stadler, Natalie Tacarante, Jeremy Brazzers, Kylie, the Master of Media, Ganguish, and Colton Zamersla. So, thank you for all of you guys' support. Continuing to support us. Even if the schedule is a little funky, even if we got to move some stuff around, I appreciate it. I know Shane appreciates it. So just thank you for being, let us, let us continue producing quality content. I hope that you enjoy. So, um, where was I? What kind of trip was I on? Well, let me tell you, it was, it was a lot. Um, I did a. Uh, what's called a civil rights pilgrimage sponsored by the local university where I'm at. And I got to go because the technical college that I am currently attending uh, offered some of the students to go. So I applied and it's, you know, this big list that like I got put on um, backup basically when I first applied. So I thought it'd be interesting. It sounded interesting and, you know, I'm always trying to learn more things about our society and where we've been and trying to open up my brain for more experiences. So that's what I did um, in this. And I got to tell you, it was um, it was pretty powerful. Uh, you know, you hear the name Civil Rights Pilgrimage and you go, I, I guess I can kind of figure out what that's about. Like you're you're going to civil rights um like little like places in the civil rights movement but i don't know if this is um just my experience or if this is everybody's experience but my 
knowledge of the civil rights movement and just like the struggle for African-American people in the United States post-Civil War, obviously pre-Civil War, like that's pretty evident. Like you understand, like you don't even understand the gravity, but like you know that slavery is bad and that that crippled that uh, culture dramatically in this country. But what I didn't know was like all the things, all the little tiny like like pinprick type of things that they would that the government and our society did to African Americans as uh, like after the Civil War, so in like the Reconstruction era, and then post Reconstruction, and then early in the Civil Rights Movement, you know, in the in the early twentieth century, like all these little things that our country has done like it all gets glossed over i don't remember hearing about most of the things i learned about on this trip and that blows my fucking mind because like i listen to a lot of um podcasts i listen to a lot of history type youtube channels and i like to continue to learn in that aspect but you know there's only so much that you can learn without like being told by people that were there right so like you might get part of the story like you might learn about the uh voting rights protests like the selma the selma march right martin luther king walking across the bridge in selma alabama there's a movie called selma and you know you could watch that and you can kind of get an idea okay they're kind of preventing black people from voting through x y and z but what you don't understand is, like, how many lives this affected beforehand and and what it really meant. Because um, in the early, early years of Reconstruction, like, right after the Civil War, you have the immediate response to how African Americans were treated and the overcorrection or not overcorrection but you know the correction to that after following the civil war so you have you know states that are largely like deemed the major like culprits in the civil war mississippi electing their first black representatives sending them to dc right you have things like that but then you have in those same areas like right after that the and I don't know if this is like a cultural thing, like with with the white Southern or not even white Southerners, white pro Confederacy people who were like, okay, wait a minute, I think there's still a way that we can like we can prevent them from doing X, Y, and Z. So you see a lot more um, aggressive tactics with like preventing people from voting because you have the the people in the county courts or the registration people who are allowing people to vote preventing people because they're creating these arbitrary tests that make no fucking sense i went to this museum on this trip and i believe it was the legacy museum in uh jackson uh not jackson it'd be in birmingham alabama the legacy museum in birmingham alabama is one of the most like intense and like visually impressive things I've ever seen because it paints 
it paints different levels of the African-American experience in history in different ways. And, and it gives you different ways to take in this information. So instead of it being solely like you're going to read a bunch of stuff, right? You're going to read all these things or you're going to listen to a presentation or watch a video, whatever. There's sculptures, there's graphics, there's like maps, all these very like, I don't know, I think all of these things kind of work cohesively to paint a picture. So if you're a visual learner, it works great. If you're an auditory learner, you can also learn a lot. If you're one of the people that likes to read, you're going to learn something, okay? So, in this museum, it talks about the 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 test it's like a it's not like a citizenship test it's like the most random questions that like ask you to do very obscure things to try and um see if you you're qualified to vote they just want to make sure that you have comprehension skills that allow you to vote now these tests weren't given for everybody this is this is a by needs test so if somebody was registering you to vote at like the courthouse or whatever and they felt that you needed this test they would give it to you now what ended up happening well as you might be able to guess it's a lot of a lot of just like really racist like people going well i'm just gonna give this test to every black person that comes in here so like I don't know. It, it just fucking blows my mind. Because it's not something I ever thought about. It's not like when you register, when you move cities. Like, I just moved a few months ago. And I voted in this last uh, midterm election. And I literally, like, I, I had some issues. But it wasn't not even, like, the, not even comparison. Like, I tried to register to vote with a uh, driver's license that's out of state. Um, and I brought a new, my address, like, proof of address, and, um, or two, two items, proof of address, and then, like, my social security card, and then my ID, and they're like, alright, cool, we verified your address, and I'm like, alright, cool, can I vote, and they're like, no, you can't actually vote, you need a Wisconsin license to vote, and I'm like, well, what the fuck, <laughs> so I had to drive to the, uh, courthouse to get a, uh, get my license even then that's not even that's not even that big a deal that was like small potatoes you know like if somebody had sat me down and was like do this test that half the questions don't make any sense because i did the test in the museum and like they're the most ridiculous questions um there was at times they would do visual tests here's a jar a big mason jar of jelly beans how many's in there? That's like, that's one of the tests that they would do. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not like, oh, we want to make sure that this person has a brain. It's how can we, how many obstacles can we put in the way of this person and prevent them from voting? And that's what they did. So that, that was one thing that kind of blew my mind. And in this same museum, they kind of show percentages, like they show graphs and they show registered percentages of voters like of black voters at the 
beginning of Reconstruction, so right after the Civil War. And then it just tanks because of all this external pressure on black people. Like, yeah, you can vote, but your boss is going to fire you if you do. Like, shit like that. Little things like that that I never even considered. So, anyway, that's one thing. That's one, th that's like one, one minor part of this whole thing. So, anyway, going back. First place we went is Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, if you are unfamiliar, is the uh, home of the Little Rock Nine, which is the first, uh, or not the first, but one of the most famous examples of trying to integrate a school. So you have the nine students trying to enter Little Rock Nine or Little Rock Central High School. And, you know, on paper, like, you're like, okay. There's segregation, and they're trying to desegregate and move into this. And a lot of the people that were, like, against this had arguments such as, oh, well, you know, the school's at capacity and, you know, this and this and this. Um, No, a lot of these things that people are saying, not true. Little Rock Central High School, if you see pictures of this place, it's huge for schools today. Like, it's, it's a big school. Um, the capacity is around 3,000 students, which is pretty big. Um, it's never reached capacity, so there's that. It was built for, like, 2 to $3 million back then, in 1926 or 27. And I want to say, like, the first initial, like, enrollment was, uh, I don't know. It was around a thousand, maybe. And you might sit there and go, well, why would they make a school so big if they knew they weren't going to need that much space? Well, when they built it, we had segregated high schools. So you had black high school, white high school, right? But they worked off of the same public school budget. So state-funded public schools, if you have a budget for buildings... And one of these buildings or one of these schools takes up the entire budget. Guess what you don't have? Money for the other building. So they built this fucking high school. And they sucked all of the money from the, from the budget to build this high school. So that the black high school would not have nearly enough to build their school. Now, the resilience in this community prevented this from, like, making it a, I don't know, like a negative turn, right? So they did bake sales and they fundraised until they got money that was, like, it was a little under a million back then. Um, and the school is definitely not, not even close to the same extravagance as this other one. It's also a middle school now. So, while after they integrated the Central High School of Little Rock, they built a new school on what's called West Little Rock, which is a really wealthy neighborhood, or wealthy side of town, I guess, if you will. They built this because they knew that, hey, we have to integrate, but if we build another school, another high school... Then what happens? Well, if you've ever lived in a town that has more than one high school, 
you'll know that the school district splits and people who live within the vicinity of that school will be the ones to attend it. So what happens when you have a really nice high school that just got built on the west end town where all the money is in a city that was predominantly segregated for most of the time? I'll tell you, you still get you get a legalized segregation <laughs> at the cost of the taxpayers in that city. You get to say you're integrated, but really you're, I mean, you're barely so, right? So Central High School is, as the name says, like it's central in Little Rock. And, and also, this is another thing to think about. You have a brand new school in 1926 or 27 and back then they were like well we got to put the school in the middle of the city how else is everybody supposed to get to it right because they were trying to um bring in the most students um because it would be easier for them to get to the center of the city right back then because they only had the one site but then as time moves on as transportation becomes a little more easier to get for wealthier people you know people are able to drive more on their own and less reliant on um public transport like ah we'll just put this put this one clear out there because it's only going to uh get it's only going to serve for the people who are going to be able to reach it in, in within that district so, so it's like this whole fucked up system where we integrated. Now we are, you know, we're, we're doing our own like integrated segregation. It's very confusing. And you gotta think this is just one place. This is just one place in the entire country. Right. That's like, it, it blows my mind. It, like this whole trip blew my mind. So I got to see where. Little Rock Nine went to high school. I got to I got to see where um I can't remember her name now. Uh there's one young girl who uh arrived at the school on her own when they were supposed to be carpooling. And uh oh yeah, oh yeah, okay. Uh Elizabeth Eckerd uh Eckford. She she was the one that kind of like if you ever see pictures of like this one girl with like sunglasses on and then like a bunch of angry white people screaming at her. That's Liz Eckford. And we, we get to see where she walked. Like we kind of like walked in the same path that she did. We uh, got to see the bench where she sat and waited for a bus to come so she could go home because she clearly wasn't getting in the school that day. Um, yeah. It, it, so it was... It was pretty wild just to see the um, the amount of uh, like history in that one area. The Dunbar School is the middle school that was the former black high school, and then the Central High School. Um, and if you look at pictures of Dunbar, it's kind of like a like a small shrunken down version of Central High School. Like it looks kind of like you can tell they were definitely influenced by it like they were trying to be like ah this is our thing right um so yeah so that that was the first first thing that we saw we also saw the mosaic templars cultural center in little rock 
the Mosaic Templars is a, it started out as a, um, uh, insurance basically like burial insurance society so you if you didn't have money you could pay this like small premium and be able to get like you, your burial funded or not fun, i don't know it's it's a very old timey thing but uh the society bloomed into being a very like cultural kind of thing where a lot of people kind of you know uh were a part part of it or um donated to it and we're trying to use it as a or not trying to use it basically they um is like a society that they could use to better their community so that building was super cool um and then we went and looked at the capital the, the state capital for uh little rock and there's a monument there for uh the little rock nine and i gotta tell you this thing was built in 1957 so two years after they tried to integrate and it's rough this sculpture is rough it's uh supposed to be life models of the students and they're not um they're not life models at all like it's they're like they're life-sized i suppose but they're not true to life to those people for instance there's one student in that group who was taller than everybody else and that does not reflect it in in the sculptures also um this uh this rather unfortunate uh, just depiction of them i guess would this is what you would call it like they look like their faces look fucking weird it's not a good like it's not a good sculpture and they put this up on the capitol but it's not like on the capitol grounds it's across the street from the proper capitol building right on the proper capitol building itself there is still a confederate monument that, mo that and that confederate monument like it's carved from marble it's huge there's an angel above this confederate soldier and it's very you know it's very angelic and it makes it look very nice and neat and like grand and impressive and then you have this this sad picture like depiction of these students that are kind of like looking very sorrowful or confused and they're um i don't know it, it's just a very bad depiction they definitely uh you could definitely tell the the amount of time and effort that was put in between one to the other right so it's very sad to see that but um i think it's cool that there is a monument there like i said that's awesome but Man, they definitely should have done better, but you can't have it all. You can't can't get it all those. Um, yeah. So after after that we went to we we went in the backwoods of Mississippi and one of the uh things that we saw and I don't know if you're familiar with Mississippi at all, but in Mississippi in nineteen fifty five, I'm pretty sure. A young boy from Chicago was murdered for maybe whistling at a white lady. He is Emmett Till. Um, we saw the courthouse where they exonerated the the people of all charges. We learned about how banana sandwich that court case was. Like the sheriff from Tallahatchie County, Mississippi was like the most vile dude I've ever heard of. He 
blatantly dropped the N-word hard R in the courtroom when, like, talking to um, reporters or Emmett Till's mom or, like, anybody that was there for the case. Like, he's like, yeah, N-words, we got this thing over here for you. Like, all nine seats, all, you know, just total disrespect, right? Um, And we got we got to see so we got to see the outside of the courthouse where that was um also you're gonna be shocked to see this but another confederate monument in front of the courthouse of the where the trial that exonerated the two who admitted to killing Emmett Till years um yeah that's that that courthouse in the middle of nowhere Mississippi has a confederate monument um and it it, like before this it never it wasn't like something where i was like adamant about we gotta get fucking rid of all these monuments because i kind of understood that the the thinking of the people that put that there wasn't going to be changed by just simply ripping the monuments down but now that i see the juxtaposition of like this terrible thing that happened to a child and then the the refusal to let go of the history of and it's not even the history because you it's not like we're gonna not know about it we're gonna know about it it's just we don't need to glorify it right um so maybe it'll change because this is going to become a state park um or not a state park a national civil rights like park certified thing which i didn't know was a thing but i'm glad it is because it's it's that kind of preservation that's keep uh, information about it alive. Um, so we saw the courthouse in Sumner, uh, Mississippi. We went to Glendora, Mississippi, which is a very, very small town. And the mayor of Glendora was a very nice guy. He had a book there that was cool. But that guy's dad allegedly had some... like was involved in the murder of Emmett Till as as a um not a slave because they weren't slaves anymore but he was his dad was essentially like a hired goon right like he was a muscle like muscle bound by basically fear for his employment and like or, or worse if he spoke out or did anything against his employer right so um the the two men who uh murdered Emmett Till I can't remember their oh yeah J.W. Milam and Roy by Bryant so this guy worked for uh one of those and then his son uh is the mayor of this area and now runs the Emmett Till Historic Intrepid Center or Ethic which I thought was really cool like that they were you know um you know, build this it's it's essentially it's a museum that you walk through and and it's uh laid out in chronological order of events that happen and there's even a uh, replica of what emmett till's body looked like at the funeral which is super disturbing like the the just complete um i don't even know i don't even know the words to use it's so crazy because you can look at pictures online there's only a couple of his actual body and you're like what the fuck man like this is a 14 year old kid and in the court 
in the court, they were like, oh, yeah, well, I, he's a man, blah, blah, blah. Like, the lady, Carolyn Bryant, she's a piece of shit. She would, like, she made up this whole story about how he, you know, uh, bent her over the counter and, like, held her down and blah, all this crazy stuff. And was describing him as if he was, like, a 40-year-old man. But if you look at pictures, you can see he's literally 14. Like, he's a child. You see his face and you go, yep, that's a kid. And this bitch lied about like, and that's the only time she said that had happened was on in the court. She never told her husband beforehand, never told her husband afterward, never, never did anything to rectify that, that story or anything. So her word is bullshit, basically, as far as I'm concerned. Um, also, the store in which this alleged thing happened... Like, you can tell this community just wanted to bury this thing because this store is so fucking, like, run down, collapsed. Like, it's, it. you can't even tell really what it was now. But then there's this gas station that's, like, kept in line with, like, how it looked way back in the day. And the hilariousness of, we're going to make sure this gas station stays pristine, Right. We're going to make it look like it did in the 50s. And then there's this grocery store. And if you didn't know what had happened to Emmett Till, maybe, maybe you would be more inclined to keep this grocery store around. But, weirdly enough, we all know what had happened to him. And now, look, oh, wouldn't you know it, this grocery store's in ruins. Like, it's almost like they're trying to bury the history. That's crazy. Um... In line with bearing history, we learned about the marker for his grave, or not his gravesite, the marker for where they found his body is, like, if you ever see historical markers for um, different things in your state, chances are they're, like, either on a post or two posts, and they have the main placard in the middle. Pretty simple, and there's really not that much use for a bigger one because it's like, oh, yeah, we know, it's fine. There, nobody cares about it. It's like people read it every now and then. Maybe, maybe you replace it when the paint fades. Maybe, but the marker for his, uh, where like the the precursor marker that goes, hey, if you go a mile or two up this road, that's where they found his body. And then there's a marker there. Those two markers had been shot up, like three times. On separate occasions, they have been replaced each time. Now, the marker on the side of the road, it weighs 500 pounds, okay? And the one that's at the death site also weighs 500 pounds, and it's bulletproof. Because people kept shooting it. Because people want to fucking get rid of the story. And if you live in an area like this, and you're like, I get it. Like, this is just a stain on... on whatever no fuck you dude like you don't get to erase parts of history because it makes your city look bad or your not even city this this part of mississippi is really depressing it's it it looks bad anyway but the real reason why you would attack something like this is because you felt and maybe your maybe your dad or your dad's dad somebody felt a certain way about what had happened there and I'm going to go ahead and guess they probably didn't disagree with what had happened. Which is unfortunate because your family's a piece of shit. 
But, but, if you're trying to prevent people from learning about this in an effort to, um, I don't know, stop people from using this information to move forward, because it's not like, you know, Emmett Till's mom's dead. She never had any other kid. It's not like she's campaigning to have Mississippi exploded. Or It's like, no, I just want people to know what these people did to my son. And, and in there's a movie called Till. In this movie, she describes this situation of, like, I thought this was a different planet. Like, the, as far as I'm concerned, this was a different planet. And that's how I thought about it, too. Until I went down there. And I'm like, this could have been any of the small towns I've ever been to. Like, it's not this distant place. It's America. It's small town America. And that's, like, the unfortunate truth of it. But that's that's how it is. Or that's how it was, right? So, that had happened. Um, anyway, yeah. So, there's a, there's another uh, museum in Mississippi and Jackson that we went to. That was really good, but we didn't have a lot of time there, so I didn't really get a lot um, more out of it than what I had already gotten from all the places that we had been before. But um, one of the uh, interesting things, one of like the things that I learned about while I was in Mississippi also is Medgar Evers. There's a, a movie called, uh, I think it's The Ghosts of Mississippi? Ghosts of Mississippi, yeah. 1996 movie, Ghost of Mississippi. It's got Alec Baldwin. Um, and it's... The movie's, the movie's okay. But it tells a story about Medgar Evers. Medgar Evers was a civil rights activist, NAACP member, uh, you know, did all these things. But also, he was a World War II veteran. Um, and, you know, there's just, you know... There's a lot more to his story than just being part of, part of the NAACP. But... We went to his house um, where he was gunned down from across the street in the back. This fucking racist piece of shit shot him in the back. And I kind of wonder if he shot him in the back because he knew Medgar Evers. One-on-one. World War II veteran. <sighs> probably, probably wouldn't have won, right? Um, but yeah, in 1955, um, or 1960, sorry, 63, uh, he got shot in the back after he had gotten home. Um, literally, the after he died, the family moved to California. They're like, fuck Mississippi. Never came back. But the house, they've kept it in its like original state. And it's like, the house was built in 55. And it's a like teal, like very 50s kind of house. It's It's kind of interesting. Like that it's just so... Yeah, so that's one of the things I learned there. When I went to Alabama, we went to Selma. We marched across the bridge. We did the thing. I was told that locals don't like when people do that. And I got to tell you, they didn't like when people did it back then. So, fuck them. Um, I met a, a woman named Joanne Bland, Miss Joanne. Uh, she marched on uh, the famous march with Dr. Martin Luther King, but also her sister marched as well. And they both marched on the first incarnation, which I didn't even know had happened. I knew there was a march in Selma. I thought it was just the one thing. And I was like, okay, we're moved on. No, they had three technically. One, Bloody Sunday. Gotta tell you, 
that's that's like some hardcore uh what do you call it what's the word foreshadowing bloody sunday they march um with uh jose williams uh john lewis who uh was the senator Congress, i don't know he was in he's involved in politics over time but anyway so these guys they're marching for voting rights which i was talking about earlier and in this um in this march on bloody sunday they march across the the edmund pettus bridge coincidentally enough edmund pettus was a fucking general for the confederacy so like if that doesn't tell you how this march is gonna go i don't know what else will besides the name bloody sunday so they cross the peak of the bridge and they can see troops state troopers lined up down there and all these uh all of the people kind of kind of organized this and they organized it before dr king got there so dr king like he got involved in a lot of things but he wouldn't just show up and like do all the work and then all of a sudden everything's great like he would show up to help efforts that had already began and maybe um maybe just needed that extra oomph right so the foot soldiers of this movement of the of the voting rights movement marched on bloody sunday crossed the bridge met with state troopers on the other side and got the shit kicked out of them um as a couple people got badly injured miss joanne's sister uh she she was one of the ones that got injured i guess miss joanne said she got hit too but she just remembers waking up in the back of a car john lewis got assaulted a lot of people got beat by cops nightsticks all this shit right and then um dr king shows up calls call puts a call out to the clergy all these clergy people uh show up and then like a bunch of other people who are just like very active in the in the civil rights movement show up as well and they march on tuesday but they cross the bridge dr king kneels down prays and then decides to turn around turns around goes back like not today well after that um some of the locals had found a young reverend james reeb who was kind of you know he's from boston so he didn't really know the area he ends up going to a place that a lot of locals knew not to go but he didn't know because he's not from there and he ends up getting beat to death um also uh jimmy lee jackson had died before the sunday bloody sunday march um and he had died while they were um they were doing they were going to do a march around the um around the police station to prevent the police from lynching this one guy right so they had this one guy in custody and some of the people that got released came out and was like no we gotta like we gotta prevent this from happening so they start to march around the thing and the cops saw it coming chased him down jimmy lee jackson uh prevented his like he he was like stopping this cop from beating his mom and his grand his grandpa and the cop shot him and then he died a little bit so then so jimmy lee jackson the first one right he died then you have james reeb who died and then on the actual like march from selma to montgomery it's like a 54 mile march 
Um, there's a woman from Detroit who she was originally from the South, moved to Detroit with her family, but then came back down. She's very involved in um, the local NAACP and everything. Viola Lazulo, she ends up getting ran off the road after uh, driving some marchers, and and they and like KKK members fucking gunned her down while she's just driving, driving the people, and so that's like a very hostile thing, and all all of that for getting people to vote, like they they were just marching for people to vote. And eventually you do get the Voting Rights Act, right? And eventually you do get the Civil Rights Act passed. Civil Rights Act is a little bit after, but... Um, so we did the Edmund Pettus Bridge walk. We uh, discussed a lot of this stuff with Miss Joanne. She told us her story. Um, we did a slavery reenactment, which was like... Essentially, this woman uh, was treating us how a version of how slaves were treated. And that was, that was a lot. Um, I mean, I, uh, she, she is, she's trying to combat the, uh, happy slave narrative. That is, which I had never really heard before until like, I guess there's some, some parts of me as an adult had heard, from shitty people that were like, oh yeah, black people love being slaves like that, blah, blah, blah. Which I think I identified as an adult. Like, that's, a, that's, uh, no, there's no way, dude. Yeah, that, that was, that was pretty trippy. It was like, you know, we're taken off the bus, we're, um, like ordered around. We didn't, like, not to make eye contact with her. And we're like marching around this, like, riverside area of Selma. And, and like it i don't know it it was weird for me because like i just kind of reverted into boot camp mindset like keep your head down just follow directions whatever um but there's you know a lot of other people who had some very intense experiences with it which i get it's very uh, um it could be a lot uh i'm sure i don't know and like, I had this idea of what it was going to be and then what it ended up being, and I definitely, I'm definitely glad it was different than what I was thinking, because I think it would have been very mentally taxing. Um, but I think that that's something that probably should be mentally taxing, right? You don't want to have a, you don't want to have a slavery reenactment where everything's like, oh yeah, this was fucking, this was kind of, this was kind of relaxing. Um, so yeah, uh. After after we did that, we did some community service work in Selma. We cleaned up this area that's going to be the Foot Soldiers Park. We cleaned up. We scooped out weeds from the concrete. I swept up this basketball court. Uh, they painted this building. Um, unfortunately, there was a tornado that went through Selma right after, like the next day. And so that was pretty sad because I don't know. Well, obviously, it's sad for the community itself. But I know they were trying to make this um this park happen relatively soon. And so I know that that's kind of like a step in the wrong direction. But yeah, um, I don't think anybody in Selma died. I think there's people in Alabama that died from the storm. So that's always always sad, right? Um, but I saw some pictures of some of the wreckage and it looks rough. So, um, yeah. Uh, so after we left Selma, we went to Birmingham, as the marchers did. But 
we we drove um and in birmingham i said we went to the legacy museum and we didn't get to take any pictures but that fucking place like i said was so intense um as like just there was just so many there was like holograms that you could like see stories uh there was maps showing you where like uh where slave uh slave um grouped cotton like slave produced cotton would be stored and sold and then like there's uh market squares where they would auction slaves and there's like all these things that they were identifying within just birmingham itself and then they also like had this crazy interactive map where it showed all the sections of africa that slaves were being transported from and where they went and if you're familiar with the united states slave uh trading you'll know that there was not a it was not a big portion of of the slave population that made it to the united states actually a lot of them ended up in south america and the caribbean island but not to like it's not to diminish anything that happened in any of the other places but that, that just like that just shows you how wild it went from when slaves got to america to like how they were treated for for right so um that was that was intense they also had um this exhibit called um from it was like mass uh from slavery to mass incarceration or something along those lines and so it showed how you know the disproportionate percentages of african americans end up in the prison population due to you know x y and z concerns and like you got to talk on the phone with some of these these inmate stories so you'd pick up a phone and there'd be a video of an inmate talking to you and it was uh, like that was pretty powerful too but the biggest thing uh biggest like most impactful or powerful visual was like when you first walk in there's all these like um sculpted heads and like torso and up um of these slaves they have like slave collars on and they're like <coughs> in this beach area and like there's like sounds of water crashing around and like you walk through and it's probably maybe 15 yards but like just all the, like the different various like um painful like facial like faces that these uh depictions are making holy shit this is this is crazy um we followed that up with the um the memorial for peace and justice which if you've ever seen it it's or if you've never seen it it's um these huge rectangular prisms and they're like lined up it, it has three or it has the county and then where these people came from it's not it's a certain amount of time so it's like from 18 something to 19 something i can't remember what the date range was but it's important to note that these are not slaves that were lynched these are freed men who got lynched because if we it i don't even know how big of a place you'd need if you had to find out how many slaves were like this monument or this like park was huge anyway like so many of these rectangular prisms all over the place and it i don't know it is so there's just a lot it was a lot a lot to take in and it, it put it into a visual way 
and I've been told that um that it is reminiscent of the uh, Berlin Holocaust Memorial, which is a bunch of square uh concrete square slabs, right? And so you see this put on in this like huge huge way and you're like holy fuck it kind of like brings it into perception of what like what is going on and um it was it was a lot it was intense and there's you know there's some stories there's stories of a guy who uh, he got lynched because he uh refused to let a white guy beat him in a fight that's his that's his whole that's the whole reason why they're like fucking kill him dude there's another guy who was killed in 1908 because he had a white wife. Um, so, you know, there's there's that. There's a man who was lynched in 1909 for suing a white man who killed his cow. So, you know, just it, like it really paints the perspective of these are just like the most obscure reasons. And they probably weren't just like none of it was justified. Right. So. Um, yeah, that was, that was, that was Birmingham. Um, and in connection between the Legacy Museum and this one, they have, um, markers that they've began putting up in different locations of where specific people were lynched. And in the Legacy Museum, they have jars of dirt from those locations and they have the whole thing, like this whole area of all these jars full of dirt with people's names on it and where, and, um, and you can see like the vast changing like all the different sediment types and like the colors and it creates this visual like interpretation of this was not just one area this was like all over the place you know so um pretty crazy uh after that we went to uh um the tuskegee university uh Booker T. Washington's home on the university. Uh, Tuskegee University is a uh, historically uh, HBCU, right? Historically black college. And then we also went to the Tuskegee Airfield um, Museum, which is the Red Tails, right? That's where they, that's where they trained and everything. Um, the The university was awesome. The gentleman that did our tour was very informative and he very charismatic and you could tell that they care a lot about the university so that was um that was a fun thing to do we also toured jackson state but that was a self-guided thing we just kind of walked around and and then we toured old miss on the way back right um after we after we left um tuskegee the next day we went to atlanta georgia um in atlanta we got to see Martin Luther King's birthplace, his like the house that he was born in, and then also his um, memorial center. There's his and Coretta's tombs, and then there's a whole park. And this is like the National Civil Rights Park. This kind of setup is the one I was talking about, uh, the Mississippi one with Emmett Till. So, so I thought that was cool to be able to see. Like that's what that's what's kind of going to be going on with that area um so instead of it being you know like a national national park where you know we learn about geysers at yellowstone um it's it's rangers giving tours about 
uh, <laughs> about like Emmett Till and everything. But uh, yeah, so there's the Eternal Flame, and then there's the Reflecting Pool, and then uh, his and Coretta's tomb sits on the Reflecting Pool. And in this, um, and in this museum, there's like different um, videos that they were playing. And one of the videos that I watched, I was like blown away by because I'd never heard the speech before. But the speech was recorded uh, two months before he died to the day. And he's talking about um, his eulogy, er, like what he would want for a eulogy. And fuck, man, uh, watching that. And they played it at his funeral when he died. They're like, oh, well. He said this is what he would want, so here it is. Um, so they're playing this, and then you're seeing like what uh, you're seeing the funeral procession and everything. You're seeing like Jackie Kennedy, Robert Kennedy at the funeral, you're seeing Coretta, and like you're seeing everything happening. And then you have the speech playing in the back, and I start crying. I was like, This is a lot, this is a lot, a lot. Um, yeah, it was it was intense. Like, I don't know. Obviously, he was a great speaker and everybody should know that, but holy shit. Like having all that tied together uh really solidified for me, you know, like it definitely was like, okay, this is like this was intense. This was an intense thing, right? Um so after that, we uh went to um Memphis, Tennessee. This was pretty much our last stop. Um, between then, between that and, uh, Atlanta, we did stop at, um, uh, Ida B. Wells' home in, uh, I can't even remember where it was. <laughs> it was a really small, small place, like a really small town, but, and it was in, I believe it was in Mississippi, because we went from Atlanta back to Mississippi, we went to Oxford, we did an Ole Miss tour, which I thought was good. Um, crazy thing about some of the buildings at Ole Miss, which I don't think this is very surprising, but they were built by slaves, obviously, because it's Mississippi in the 1800s, but the bricks were made by slaves, and there's fucking buildings on that campus where you can see little tiny fingerprints in the bricks, which was, like, so crazy. Like, you could, like, put your fingers in there, and they're, like, you knew that that was just somebody, some small child making these bricks and they maybe took it out of the it didn't get fired long enough or maybe they pressed it before it got fired you know just like these little things but um so anyway went to idb wells's house um we did a uh tour in mississippi with a uh, woman from the area and i can't remember how much i did but um we went to uh W.C. Handy's house and got a tour um, after that. And then, uh, like, so from W.C. Handy, got a tour um, Memphis. Um, yeah. Oh, also, random random thing. We stopped in Tupelo, Mississippi for uh, dinner one night and saw uh, Elvis Presley's birth, which I thought was kind of crazy. We didn't go to Graceland. They, thought, they teased it, but we didn't. Um, anyway, yeah, so back to the thing. We go... To Memphis, Tennessee. Um, in Memphis, we we had a night to ourselves in Memphis at night, and we went to uh, Beale Street, and they gave us the option to have dinner 
Um, a lot of people went to BB King's restaurant. I did not. The line was too long. Um, but the next day, we did this tour with this woman and, you know, went to WC Handy's. Um, oh, Elaine Turner is the, is the woman's name. Um, and so we went to WC Handy's house. We also went to um, the uh, Slave Haven Museum which was a um a house bought and paid for by um I want to say I can't remember I I want to say it was like the Burkle Estate or something. it had like a crazy name but anyway this guy bought this house or built this house and he was like hey I think slavery's kind of fucked up cuz he wasn't American he's a he's an immigrant but he had money so he built this house and then he in built into this house like different like hiding spots so this house was part of the uh the underground railroad right so that was cool seeing like the little uh like the smuggling spots that they would like hide runaway slaves in and these you know um they could be in there for a while but uh it was just interesting to see like the different mechanisms that they would use like it wasn't anything like crazy no star trek kind of things but they did have um, you know, just different, like, small things that you wouldn't think about, like, in the crawl space, in the basement, there's, like, access points, and one of the access points leads straight to the front yard, so if you were in the basement hiding from somebody in, like, this trap door that nobody knew was there, climb into the crawl space and then out in the front yard, and then, um, so that was cool, and then the end of the day, or not, not the end of the day, middle of the day, we go to the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis, Tennessee, which is built on the uh, Lorraine Motel, which is the motel that Dr. King was shot at. Um, they have his room still preserved the exact same way it was. There's cars parked in the spots where they were on that day in April 4th, 1968. Um, there's his room. And then um, two rooms down, and those rooms are, like, exactly the way they were. And then the room in between um, is, like, the walkway. Like, so you can, and they're behind glass and, you know, temperature controlled and everything. Um, and then the whole museum itself, like, there's a museum built on onto this hotel. So it, like, goes through the whole civil rights movement. And it was really cool because at the end of this, this, this is, like, the last big thing that we're doing. But by this time, you know, we had already hit so many civil rights museums and, like, talked to so many people that, like, there was a lot of this stuff that we were like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. And so we knew in our group, you know, quite a bit of this. So we just, you know, we were able to kind of move through the museum a lot quicker. Um, there's definitely still stuff I learned about. There's a whole Black Power section in there that I thought was awesome. Like, it talked about music empowering black people different athletes or like the black panthers um different movements that were trying to make black people proud and after you know mlk was assassinated but um yeah so um being able to see the location you see there's a chunk of concrete pulled out of that um that balcony and i I wonder if they took that for that's like a Smithsonian there his blood was, but um like you you can see from the 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 
visitor area between those two rooms they can see out the window you can see where like the exact spot where his body was from like pictures you can look online and see like where people are pointing across the street but then you can see his body laying on the ground like you can see that balcony straight out of that window and then you could see his room as it was room 306 and then they also have across the street they have um, made a museum from the building where the guy who shot him, or I guess, I don't know. There's the guy who, they were like, yeah, this guy killed him, but then there's also, um, I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're like, they frame it like it was that guy, but I don't know, man. Nope. He came out, was like, I didn't do it, and then everybody else was like, I don't think he did it, man. So, I don't know. Um, I think the FBI took him out, personally, but that's not this that's not the point of this uh this episode. So you could go over there and you can see the bathroom that the shooter shot from still as it was. There's all the evidence that they have in in like glass cases and you can see all the different things. You can see how they built the case. I wish I would have had like a somebody to kind of explain it though cuz I don't know. A lot of that legal things kind of just get lost in my brain, but okay. Um so yeah, uh, there's the uh, window. You can't you can't go into the bathroom from where the shooter shot from. But there's a um, section right next to it with windows very similar to how the bathroom is, and you can you can look out of those windows and kind of get an idea. And you can I mean it's sure as shit it's straight across. Like I zoomed in with my phone really slow, like just to track it and like yeah you can you can aim straight onto that balcony like it i don't think it was a very hard shot to do um and then they also have like this glass case like walk area between that building where the shooter shot from and then the building right next to it and so um i don't know if it's just to kind of get a bigger feel about it but uh yeah and then like i said they have all the all the different so that's that's the trip i was on that's that's pretty much it. Um, I don't know. The biggest takeaways that I learned was that I don't, I don't, and nobody who, and nobody should claim to know all of the things that had happened, right? So whenever anybody kind of like, I don't know, I see a lot of this with um, arguments around, um, you know, a lot of the protests that happened, especially in like 2020 with like George Floyd's death and everything like that, where there's a lot of uh, diminishing of certain experiences or things that had happened. And I don't know enough to make uh, to I don't know enough to discredit any of these stories. Right. So and I don't think anybody does. And it's so crazy because they're so vast. Like, you're never going to know all the things, and I'm never going to know all the things, but we can continue to try and learn more and more and more. And that's the whole reason why I went on this trip. Like, this seemed like an opportunity for me to get, like, some ground-level, like, knowledge. I was able to learn more about the civil rights movement than I had ever anticipated knowing. Like, and, and I spoke to a nice... Uh, gentleman at the uh, the memorial for peace and justice, which was the one that uh, had all the pillars, right? That I was talking about, and he was like, everybody comes here and goes, yeah, I just had no idea. Like I, 
like school just didn't learn enough or whatever. It's like everybody comes in and says that. And, you know, you're never going to get all of the information, but you can continue to try and learn more. And I was like, oh, I, I get that. Like, like you can, you can definitely say, you know, schools don't teach all the things that they should. Um, but then also they don't have enough time or resources to teach all the things, right? Like I remember learning so much in school and a lot of the things that I learned, I think definitely got, um, shifted around or maybe pulled because of some, uh, whatever reason. And then they're like, okay, you're going to learn about this instead. And then it's so crazy. Like this trip taught me a number of things but most importantly that like uh, you're if you're in a search for more knowledge you're going to be continuously looking and learning which is good like you don't want to if you ever get to the point where you're like i know everything then you probably fucked you know what i mean so i i think it was good in that aspect i also think that it gave me a more um a more intense uh, appreciation for a lot of the hardships that people went through to to get our country where it is now. Like our country was founded on slave labor and and the economic growth and why our country became a uh, predominant like economic power following the Revolutionary War is because we had people that were not getting paid and and were just being worked to death to build this country is so crazy like between that and just the complete uh like total scheming against the native american population like no wonder we had so much fucking money we stole a bunch of shit and then we never paid people for shit you know like obviously we we would end up on top if you if you found a company with zero <laughs> not zero i guess they technically bought the slate but if you you found a company and you had like a very small margin of your um revenue that went to workers and then another small portion of your revenue went to land uh you know real estate like, I would hope that that company would, would be the fucking powerhouse, right? And one of the critiques on, um, like, other global powers, like China, for instance, is how they abuse their workers, and they have so many, like, you know, sweatshops and work camps and things like that. That's modern-day slavery. Like, that's the same fucking thing. No wonder they're doing so good economically. They're having whole work camps of political prisoners do work for free like that's not a secret like that's that's happening and like it, i don't think i'll ever be able to unpack all of the things that i learned on this trip properly but um i <laughs> thank you for letting me just kind of word vomit all of the things that i learned on this trip um as i was going through this i kind of looked at all the pictures that i or some of my um uh, classmates took on this trip and was just kind of thinking of the things that I was thinking while looking at those pictures. Um, 
I went on this trip not knowing really anybody also because I just moved and I hadn't taken any in-person classes. And I don't think any of these people would have been in any of my classes anyway, which is funny. Like, because there's the college that sponsored it, but I don't go to that college. I go to the technical college that's in the same town, right? So I didn't even know any of those people. And I don't know any of the people that go to the technical college that went on this trip either, but I do now. Um, so... I highly encourage people to just fucking learning. Like, just, holy shit. There's so much knowledge out there to be had. Um, I think that if you are one of the people that just goes, oh, I don't care. Like, I, I wish I could live in a life that was like that. Like, I wish I could just go, nah, I don't give a shit. Because that's, like, I don't know. I don't know how... I don't wish that realistically, but I bet that that life is pretty simple. You know what I mean? Like, it's a very chill life. It has to be. So what do you get mad about? You can't. Sports, I guess. Um, anyway, this rambling this, uh, is coming to an end. So, anyway, thank you for listening to me decompress from my trip. Um, yeah, uh, I want to thank all of our supporters, our fellow friends uh the dutch and denver podcast which is still pumping out episodes um the no new friends podcast kicking in with the kelly's the remedy room um don't forget to go to the youtube the link tree in the description can take you there or you can just type in west nowhere on youtube and you'll find it subscribe like comment share do all the things um comment on this episode if you learned something from this please comment something that you learned um or something that you took from it there's there's so much of this experience that i wasn't able to articulate or you know even now i'm thinking of things that i'm just like oh fuck i probably could have put that in but you know it's such a it's such a wild thing there was 10 day long trip and i could do an episode about each day for sure um yeah so thank you everybody and uh we'll see you next time Peace out, bitches. Tip bartender.